in five, four, three. Hey, everybody. This is Danielle. Uh, yes, I am. Uh, who am I? I'm Daniel. And I'm Carla. And we are Hoosier Homicide, a true crime podcast by Hoosiers for Hoosiers or for anyone that doesn't know what a Hoosier is. And we back. For our second episode. Yay! Dun, dun, dun. If you haven't listened to the first episode, drop what you're doing and go back because it needs to make sense to you. Yes, this does but what go... what if they're holding something valuable? Drop it, anyways. Drop it. Drop it into I, my mailbox. <laughs> I love breaking noises. That's the best. Like when you're in Hobby Lobby with the impulse to like no, knock all the glasses. No? Don't do it. <sighs> okay, so Richmond Hill, episode two. We're picking it up right after the houses have exploded, and now they're trying to figure out what done happened. Yeah, that's basically it. What done happened. Now we're going to look at who done did it. And that boy, let me tell you, that was real hard to figure out. Oh, the stumper. (laughs) I think the police thought, hmm, let's start where it all happened. Our other precursor is that this episode has more graphic or disturbing content, so if you are more sensitive to that type of thing, don't listen, because you're already offended, I'm sure. I'm offended. Well, yeah, but you've signed on for the long haul. Yeah. Yeah. All right. The explosion has just happened, and... We've come to find out then that a lot of people were not home, which was a good thing. But there was a young couple that lived next door to the explosion that were home. This is John or Dion and Jennifer Longworth. Their house was at 8355 Field Fair Way. And so neighbors come pouring out of their houses that are across the street. And what we found out later, there were explosions that continued to happen. Things that um, were still connected to gas lines unrelated to the original explosion so people are outside not knowing what happened and all this other shit around them is still popping and cracking with like active fire before the police and firefighters were able to get there so the Longworth home was a two-story home but after the explosion it became a one-story home and the neighborhood the neighbors come running out and are asking if anyone needs help I think there was a few people that were trapped under other type of debris And a woman had her leg cut. And I think one of our neighbor friends helped a girl. Like, she was standing in the debris, like, just holding her phone. So it illuminated, like, her face. Mm -hmm. And she obviously was terrified. He he ran straight for her. I mean, no He couldn't get in his house. He was knocking on the door. And his dad goes, we can't let you in. (laughs) So he had... But, I mean, he ran straight... I mean, straight towards all the bad stuff. Yeah. And, and helped us. Which we talked about. Girl. We didn't feel the impulse to do. We've kind of had other. It, yeah. I mean, it honestly didn't even cross my mind to run towards no. the burning building. Now, of course, if you hadn't seen anybody and heard, been able to hear somebody screaming, then. Yeah. I, I guess have, if we could hear something. But there were just, there was already people you could see that were coming out of their houses around the area. And like we talked, you knew Meemaw. Yeah. Was in the front. So, like, you had somebody had to go there yeah. and check on her. So. Which I put pictures up on our website that have, like, red dots where our house is located, and then another one. Where That's I... what that red dot's for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and another one where her house is. So you can see the distance we are from the explosion. I thought it was a good idea. Damn. No, it's a good idea, but you gotta put, like, a legend in there, you know? I just thought maybe you fucked up on Microsoft Paint and accidentally hit. <laughs> Died and thought, eh, Microsoft Paint is hard to use. 
said the that's what she said, said. <laughs> said the kindergartner okay <laughs> listen okay so this is the harder part of the story so the two-story house has now become one it's a pile of insulation debris wood and the vinyl siding and the neighbors are calling out and they hear someone saying i'm trapped i'm trapped can you help me and they proceed to try to move uh, rubble, and they can see that Dion is in what would be the basement. And later they find out it was kind of the area where the chimney went down all the way. And he tells them that he's trapped, but otherwise not injured. He's saying, how is my wife? And are you going to be able to get me out of here? So they're trying to pull away the drywall, which is, drywall is really heavy. I think I read somewhere, or might have been on the, the show, one of the firefighters thought he was pinned in between two forge house. He might have been stuck regardless of the side. Yeah, because they were only able to like reach a hand into him and to see his face, and but he might have been stuck. Or joist. Joist? Floyd Joist. I said joust. It's joist. If it's not joist, we have to cut this part out. <laughs> it's joist. <laughs> <laughs> So then his his head was, he was able to like stand up, like squat back up and down because they said his head would move away. Like he was looking to see what was going on. So he might've been stuck and that's what he was checking out. Uh, But he wasn't able to move a whole lot. And then he would ask, where's my wife? And uh, one of the neighbors, he's like, I could tell that there was no longer an upstairs. And all I could think to say was stay with me. That was one of the neighbors. Yeah, because this is before the firefighters even got there. They had found him. And now the house was slowly like, well, engulfed in flames rather quickly. And like they were saying, the siding was oozing everywhere, which is a really descriptive image if you think about it. Uh, But that's when Lieutenant Dean Teagarden was there. And he was the one that was hands on face to face with him. And he said that he was removing his masks, trying to reach in farther. But they would have needed heavy machinery to lift the amount of debris that was on top of him. Yeah. Like there's no way with the number of firefighters they had that you could, they could have lifted it. Yeah, they said they would have needed an additional 45 more minutes yeah. to have even got him out there. So he was telling Lieutenant T garden, it's hot. It's getting hot. Can you get me out? And this is a quote from the Lieutenant. I'm moving any kind of wood or debris that I can. I could reach in. I could grasp his hand and try to pull him out. I was pulling out what I could, but there were two floors of wood on top of him. After seven to eight minutes of frantic effort to save Dion, Battalion Chief Mark Culver had to make the call that his men needed to be pulled back before the fire consumed them too. So he said very rarely does he actually have to physically pull people away. And there's a picture of all the firefighters standing in the street, like, just waiting for it to be over. It's awful. Like, I don't know why that photo bothers me more than some of the other ones. It was only for a brief second. It was on the American Greed episode. It's because they knew. Yeah, they're just, like, there waiting. They knew, and hearing you say that is, is, it's hard. I, I remember when they were walking us through the field. I don't know who it was, but we were standing in a group of people, and I heard one of them. I heard the last name Longworth. That they said that there was there was one person in there, and it's they knew there was one person that was not going to survive this. Yeah. So I, I I didn't hear any mention of Jennifer. Yeah, I think I feel like I remember that at the time we weren't sure, but at least someone was. Yeah. And then I think I heard you said that she was probably gone almost instantly. Yeah. Later they found that out. 
Um, so it was a matter of minutes, and then they were eventually able to go back up and to continue to extinguish the fire. So at this time, like you were saying, we were evacuated to this middle school where uh, Jennifer's parents were in Kentucky, and so Dion's father, Mr. Longworth, who is an active, I think, sounding board for a lot of this, obviously is the worst thing to ever happen to him, but you'll he spoke the most, I think, and he was in that mm-hmm. episode also. Yeah. Um, so he's the one who called them and told them you need to come up here, which I can't imagine, like, let alone driving five minutes to a hospital or to, but having to drive from Kentucky up here, which is yeah, delivering news over the phone is, is, I already know. Yes. I may have not been an 100% state of mind, but still it was, it was traumatizing. The same feeling that was like, you need to come home and not know it. But we told you we were fine, but still like to shut your nerves down to be able to like function. It's just not that easy. How, tell them how far Kentucky is from here. Like, to where we're at or from mm-hmm. Kentucky to Indiana? Because, you well, know, Kentucky to Indiana is... No, where we are. a joke I'm not going to tell. <laughs> no, don't tell it. Uh, two hours. Two hours. So. Yeah. I mean, probably the longest drive. In the middle, in the middle of the night. I mean, I don't know. 65 coming up that way sucks. Mm-hmm. So once they were in the middle school and obviously they weren't there, they called hospitals and still there was no response. Um, So once the fires were completely under control, the firefighters then were tasked with locating Dion and Jennifer's body, which I didn't know they did that either. Like, I was like, that's not someone else's job. Like, well, who's going to go into the rubble? I don't know. Like, but that just, you know, and a lot of firefighters are volunteer firefighters. And if fire itself isn't traumatic, it's like, go locate a body too. And it's like, and then do it for free. I was like, oh. You know that, I mean, you know that when you sign up for it. Yeah. Yeah. They have training and everything, but it still just sounded awful. It doesn't make it any more pleasant. No. Um, Even, even just hearing you talk about it is hard. I just can't imagine. Well, and especially it's too... Know, two young people that were just minding their gone. own business just like yeah. everyone else and i'll think about a lot that frequently too is the the steps we go to to protect ourselves from evil locking your doors alarms carrying pepper spray anything we can do to make sure there's a buffer but how but that did none of that matter nothing there's nothing you can do if your neighbor is gonna fucking blow their house yeah. up like there's we no, had the door locked it did yeah. nothing like like, there's no way you could protect yourself from that. No. I don't... So, I, I think about that frequently. I don't it, know why. It, it's horrendous, that's why. Because they shouldn't have had to go through it. An autopsy determined Dion Longworth had extensive burns covering more than 90% of his body. Pathologists found soot covering his entire respiratory tract all the way into his lungs. His cause of death was determined to be inhalation of soot, hot gases, followed by severe burns. And because Jennifer Longworth was on the second floor of the home when the blast happened, the forensic pathologist testified that she believed Jennifer died nearly instantly from the pressure wave caused by the explosion. So I guess that's the only reprieve in this is that she died yeah. instantly. Less suffering than you thought, maybe? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because that's where, mm-hmm. I mean. Because I have a hard time reading the autopsy with him because that's probably the worst way to go in life. Oh, like, God. Yeah. And, and he knew, and he was just. Oh, and did. To, to have that's part of where the nightmare starts for me is you know it, I could not for the life of me get out of my mind thinking his last mm-hmm. you know 15 20 minutes on this earth not knowing where the hell is your wife what the fuck just happened and oh there's a fire 
and then no one being able to help you. So that's, you know, and as soon as you, as soon as you hear that and you're like, you know, this, this doesn't really seem like an accident. And right at that point, I'm like death penalty. Yeah. I don't care if you had anything to do with this death penalty, but um, I like to hand out the death penalty sometimes. You get like, Oh, Oprah, you get the death penalty and you you get get the the death death penalty. penalty. Yeah. But on stuff stuff like this, fucking where it's like, torture and i i understand that you know i mean these people were not fucking smart enough to know what they were fucking doing no and i'm sure the intention was not murder yeah but but nonetheless public castration you know that would hey that would do something i mean it wouldn't you can charge entrance fees (laughs) you know just wait is this medieval times (laughs) (laughs) it's devastating but yeah we we find a way to cope with the it's been a long time Relics. and it it still stings. It hurts. I don't. Yeah. I don't like. I don't like it. But, but that's why we're talking about it. We have to every now and then to just remain sane. And I was there the other day. We went to see our old neighbors, and then the two plots are still empty. But with theirs, they they filled in the basement, and they just have the little angel statue there. I get the heebie-jeebies going in the neighborhood. Yeah. I, it was I it was like better it when your parents moved. Into Meemaw's house. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to go that way. After Meemaw yeah. was excommunicated. Yeah, into the, <laughs> when she went to the, the hermitage. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you drove into the neighborhood, first left, that's all the further you went. You didn't went. have to think about it. You didn't have to drive past it. And I mean, those lots are going to stand vacant forever. I can't imagine anyone wanting to build a fucking house there. No, I don't. I and don't I commend know. people that still live there. I mean, yeah. Oh, the people. Oh, yeah. Oh, and I don't, I don't blame people for staying. The people for no, staying. No, not at all. It just uh, wasn't for us at the and time. And maybe if that was a situation that we had, the, that we, that you and I mm-hmm. lived there, I, it might have been the, the best. I don't know. You know, it's one of those things. If it bothered you and you felt like you had to move, that's okay. And it, if you felt that you needed to stay, these people were not going to chase you out of your fucking home. That's a God lot bless of, you. Good for you, yeah, too. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Um. So I just was more on the side of I don't really want to go back in there. Yeah, it's sad. Yeah, it's hard. it was. It, you don't yeah. want to leave it behind, but you also didn't need a daily daily reminder. How long did we live there? Thirteen years. Yeah, I was like, shit. Thanks for that. Mom and dad. I mean, once it was all said and done, and the repairs that they made to the house, it was beautiful. It was like it was like it almost Along never happened. House. Yeah. But a lot of people got dicked over with contractors and biting their insurance. Remember, oh, mom yeah. was hysterical on the phone. Like, they would have got double dicked because of the insurance. Some people did. Some people didn't go home was for it, months. It was State yeah. Farm in particular. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Now we're going to talk about the investigation. And we've mentioned before, the homeowner's name is Montserrat Shirley, which is different. And we ended up calling her Shirley frequently, didn't we? I always knew Muncie. Muncie. That's what yes. it was. Yeah. Because as soon as I heard it, I went... Oh, there's a Muncie, Indiana. That'll be easy for me to do a yeah. association game with. Mm-hmm. I mean, these guys, the investigators, um, Indianapolis Fire Department, arson investigator, Lieutenant Mario Garza, and former IMPD homicide detective Jeff Wa- Wager. Wager? Um, were the... You got that wrong and he listens to this. Well, you know. We apologize. 
they did a really good job. They created like a grid over the explosion. I think he drained or like oh, sifted that. through the sewers. Yeah. Like they were going to get every last piece of evidence that they could on top of houses. They were getting anything that blew onto roofs anywhere. They're like, get me that. Well, we got pictures up of the website that I took the day after the explosion when we got to walk down to yeah. uh, pictures oh, yeah. right directly behind it. All the fucking debris and lumber and shit in the yards. And they're picking through this stuff they on their hands through and knees. Yeah. They oh, collected yeah. like every piece of it. How much evidence was there? It was like 1,400 pieces of evidence, I think. I'll have to double check that. It was insane. I feel like they said it was, or I can't remember which guy. It was the guy who I think who was the lead investigator for it. Said that I don't think it was all that difficult. To find the source of mm-hmm. where it all started. I mean, you mm-hmm. can you could tell from above, which we can talk the about blast radius. Um, you can kind of see where everything. Well, happened. everything was exploded in a I, certain way, except for <gasps> the microwave. Yep, so, it was blown from the inside so, out. Mm-hmm. So they found two key pieces of evidence that made it clearly an arson. The microwave appeared to have been damaged from the inside, like we said, by an explosion, which they later found. A- a metal container that yeah. was also ruptured from the inside yeah. out. And then they put a straight pipe in the home's gas manifold where the regulator valve should have been. So they just are like ghetto rigging stuff to make it so gas just flows. No, I heard Muncie was actually suing the manufacturer of the metal container that they didn't put a label on there that she could not put that with flammable liquids into the microwave. And she's also suing the microwave company. Okay, yes, that's a bit of a stretch. No, she would. In these in these times nowadays, would fucking surprise me. I'm just joking about that. They said he was looking this up. Don't put metal in your microwave. Don't do it. But the other thing was, whose microwave can you set 24 hours in advance? Like I walk up to my microwave, it's like a these people claimed to have had a Picasso painting (gasps) in their house. If they could obtain a Picasso, I'm sure the fuck they could find a microwave. That you could set that far in advance. So yeah. let's explain that a little more. So okay, like the, okay, they decided obviously this was became a criminal homicide investigation, and they had all manner of people down investigating, including the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives. They showed up. Where do they? I mean, we have one in Indiana. Right? Oh yeah, I mean the ATF showed up. Obviously, mm-hmm. it was Indiana State Police, Indianapolis Metropolitan Police Department, the Marion County Sheriff's Department. Homeland Security. Homeland there. Security was there. They were parked right in my friend's front lawn for like a two weeks. And he's going, hey, oh. oh, that was, I mean, that was, I mean, this whole, this whole fucking thing was surreal, but that was just something that compounded you drive into the neighborhood and you had to hit all the check marks, mm-hmm. but seeing Homeland Security, I mean, seeing these, these huge like RVs. Yes, they were like, they were, they were huge. And this of. family of eight that's living there they come home every day there's this giant like rv mm-hmm. and you remember parked the, in their lawn the big floodlights they put up in the neighborhood that's what was creepy like you went out you would go out at night and everything still kind of looked really like dusty and shit from the explosion and you it. saw debris everywhere but then everything you know the whole fucking neighborhood because we had that front door that had glass and yeah it had a design but if you looked out mm-hmm. of a certain part you could see fine like, it wasn't a distorted image. And it, yeah. there was that one sitting right there. And it, it was because assholes that are coming to break into people's houses that are condemned that they can't go into. Like, that was part of oh, it. Oh, yeah, they so had like, people. Yeah, it's like, and he, we had an officer in the backyard one time, and the dogs are going nuts. And, oh, and I mean, he knew walked, to put the flashlight on his badge. Back, yeah. So it's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, walk through our yard. It's fine. Go ahead. <laughs> 
Yeah, because they caught, I mean, they caught some people. And as, as, as bad, I don't know, as much as I hated the spotlights in the neighborhood, like. They made they, sense. They did, they did everything they could and they were doing everything right. It was oh, just yeah. an, it's just an not, eerie feeling. It's not something you think of that, like, oh, that's going to be here too later. Yeah. So on the day of the couple's funeral, which was November 19th of 2012, they announced that it was a criminal homicide investigation and were offering rewards for information that led to any arrests. I wonder how long really it took them to where they started going, this ain't a fucking accident. I mean, I'm sure it was pretty damn quick. Yeah. um, They've seen a lot of stuff, I'm sure. It probably didn't take too long to put two and two together yeah so who wants to know more about monster out shirley oh, oh I, I do i do the, i do i oh, love boy. her she's yeah. my friend the twat monster no, she's, not. <laughs> she's horrible yep okay so she was 47 years old at the time of this yeah, yeah. but she was 25 when she came from uh, puerto rico to get her education here and she got married in 1993 and they had a daughter he worked for Eli Lilly, which is a pharmaceutical company in Indiana. And then she got her bachelor's, bachelor's degree in nursing, worked at the Veterans Hospital. And then they moved into the neighborhood in 2004, got divorced in 2011. And then part of the divorce settlement was that he's paying child support, but then she's responsible for like all the other financial They got stuff. a divorce in 2011? Damn, she she moved on to the no, next asshole pretty quickly. No, he moved out in 2011. Man. So maybe Okay, so she did. Well. Yeah. <laughs> in comes the the star, the star of the show. The brain, the mastermind. The mastermind. You can never forget him. His name's Mark Leonard. They met at a lovely establishment on the South Side, no longer um I don't, here I don't with think us. It's there. You don't think it's there anymore? I'm pretty sure it's not. This, or if it is, they if it's the same place, they renamed it. I would just call it a little, I don't know, cra- it crappy called? bar. It's, it was called Crazy Town. Um, Daniel, have you ever been there? Twice. What? I actually had a really good time. At least one of the times I was there. I can't really recall the other time. I just know I was there. Hey, you know. Twice because I saw the same cover band. Oh, okay. And I cannot for the life of me tell you their name, but they were good. So. so there you go. Hey, you know, happens to the best of us. So apparently they both go to this bar and from across a crowded room, they lock eyes with each other and it's a magical moment. And that's where it all begins. Magical moment. She, Montserrat, a.k.a. Muncie, would describe Mark Leonard as a, a tall, handsome, blonde man who... Looked hot in his tight jeans. <laughs> I guess she went. I guess she took him home. Yeah, that night. Yeah, you know, feeling feeling like he's the one. Yep. The only problem is, he wouldn't leave. He won't leave the next morning. Yep. So her daughter's coming home, and he's like, "Bitch, I'm not leaving." And she's just like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> this is weird. I guess since he's not leaving, I guess you can stay forever. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so he told her he was into construction, bought and sold cars for a living. In reality, what did he do, Daniel? I think he was just full of shit for a living. I well, think so. Too. Professional con artist. Mm-hmm. And where's the best place to con people? Bars. Online. Yes, thank you. Oh. 
Hey, he did both. You never meet anyone online. No, never. No. <laughs> okay, maybe sometimes. Yeah, well, Daniel and I met online. No, we didn't. Yeah, we they did. met at the library. <laughs> no, we met at Starbucks. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, she would. We met at Crazy Town. <laughs> 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 you just start telling people that. Oh, man. So he had a habit of picking up on older women that had money, and he would do things like, say, my $10,000 piece of equipment got stolen, and I need it to finish this $300,000 job, and these women would just write him a $10,000 check and be like, okay, come back soon, and he wouldn't come back soon. He'd go to the nursing home and pick up. Oh, he might have. Pick up some granny. Hey, Oh, look, Marky's here to see me again. <laughs> you better get my checkbook. <laughs> yep. He'd stay till the well was dry, though, because as soon as they're like, I can't give you any more, he would say, peace out, and be done. Um, what was he doing with all the money? Spending it on shit. Oh, he liked to buy God. cars and yeah, go gambling. Yeah, did he have a fancy car? He wanted to get a fancy car. I'm sure he had them all the time. He's, I don't know. He was. He told uh, somebody before, obviously, they went through with their... <laughs> their wonderful plan that he was looking at buying a Ferrari. So yes. if you're getting $300,000 cash and you're buying a Ferrari, if you're buying a brand new Ferrari, you're almost probably spending every dime of it. And then he couldn't fucking pay to maintain the goddamn thing. No. And if he's buying a used one, you're still spending half to two-thirds of it, so... Which doesn't really seem worth it I don't me. know if Where he was, was full going? of shit or if he was just that fucking stupid he just wanted a Ferrari. I'd probably go with the second one. Where was he gonna park it? They blew up the damn house. <sighs> Who knows where the fuck he was... He was I gonna mean, stay with his hillbilly brother? Yeah, he was gonna... We'll get to him. He was gonna... I don't know. He was gonna park it at his apartment complex. That wouldn't look fucking suspicious at all. No. Seeing as there's only one Ferrari I know of on this side of town. Says something about us. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're we are we are sophisticated enough here in the heartland of America that on our, our little corner of the world that we have one Ferrari driving around town. Do you know who it belongs to? Yes, I do. I just don't want to say. Well, no. that's perfectly fine with me. <laughs> okay. He, let's just say uh, I had surgery and he was doing the cutting. Oh. Uh, mm-hmm. Yep. That's good. <laughs> So in February of 2012, Mark Leonard brought up the idea of this whole scheme to blow up the house. That long? Yeah. That far in advance, they were thinking, okay. Yeah, because, you know, when you're thinking something out, it's got to be thorough. February? Yeah, February. And, and he had her increase her homeowners. And well, I think they said, you know, he had to do some talking her into it. Yeah, she at first she was like, that doesn't sound smart. And it's like, wow, really? <laughs> And they did research, too. Mm-hmm. Limited. Well, no, no. How we many took t- notes. How many times did it take them to do this? At least at least two times. They were successful on the third attempt, which, of course, we know now. Yeah. So, October 20th. 20- they were overly successful. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But we didn't mean to. <laughs> Whoops. So, on October 27th, they boarded their cat. Named Snowball. So you can guess what color the cat was. Black. Shit. <laughs> it was brown? Well. Well. <laughs> gross. You said shit. So. <laughs> so then they found a babysitter for the daughter. And wait, who who fucking boards a cat? Exactly. If you're going away. Hold that. 
thought. It's just, it sounds so stupid. Well, I don't want to offend any cat owners out there. But it was but for a night. For a night. For, for one night. Yeah, and the cat was not diabetic or needed, you know, any medication or anything. So, so like, take it to the freaking pet care. Mm-hmm. And then they go to Lawrenceburg Casino. How far is Lawrenceburg from here? Oh, beats the fucking hell out of me. That's why I have you on the show is for directions. Well, you have to tell me in advance. <laughs> <laughs> is it normal? Well, it was... I don't know. Ugh, I'll look it up. Okay. Anyways, they go to Lawrenceburg, where the couple danced and drank through the evening. Being but, sure to be seen on like camera. Yeah. I feel like Lawrenceburg is Lawrence. It's an hour and 48 minutes from here. It's actually close to the border of Cincinnati. Struggle. Ohio. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, that Lawrenceburg. There's more than one. That Lawrenceburg. Well, there's a Lawrence, too. Oh, so how far is it from here? Lawrence. They got themselves out of town. Two hours. Two hours out of town. So, enter the next character. Was supposed to start a small fire in the garage, (laughs) but told them he got pulled over by a cop on the way to the neighborhood, so he never made it, resulting in the first failed attempt. Do we know if he actually did, or did he just, like, shake He said he got spooked when he got pulled over. Yeah. So either that happened, I, I... I doubt he got pulled over. I bet he got the shits and never left the house. He should have gotten spooked when he pulled into the neighborhood and was like, oh, oh look, there's people. There's people everywhere. Yeah. So the second attempt was the next Saturday. And this time, Leonard put a cardboard on the fireplace so that they wouldn't lose gas. Like, we're going to pack this house full of natural gas. And then he also decided to involve his half-brother, Bob Leonard. Otherwise known as Crazy Bob. He, this bug-eyed fucker got, looks like he got hit with a hot shovel. And he would be the, exactly the kind of person you would need to go along with this game. Yes. You know, he kind of looked... Stay with me. He kind of looked like a cross between Gollum from Lord of the Rings <laughs> and Beavis from Beavis yeah. and Butthead. But bigger. But bigger. I bigger mean, than he, Beavis or bigger than Gollum? <laughs> I don't know, but he's got one eye that looks that like... That one eye reminds he, me of Moody. Yeah, from, from Harry Potter. Potter. Yeah. that Maybe that's what it was. Yeah. yeah. But his eye looks like it knows he is so ugly that it's trying to leave his face. It I know knows. a couple people like that. <laughs> I don't want to use their name. <laughs> I'm not one of them, right? <laughs> so... Yeah, do you have a bug eye? Not yet. It's bug eye. It's coming. I need to get hit with the hot shovel. <laughs> Now, right now, it will only be a cold shovel because yes. it's freezing. And it is covered in shit because the last time I used it right. was when we had to get uh, install a clean-out pipe because mm-hmm. we had a bunch of teepee and stuff that blocked our sewer line. Oh, come on. <laughs> come on. He was ankle-deep in shit. It was great. Well, yeah, because someone turned the water on and knocked all the poop out of the line while we Who were waiting there. Who was that? Oh, it was Danielle. I haven't lived <laughs> so here. So I had to go with the shovel because our next door neighbor was helping us. I haven't I lived here in years. Shit. I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm about. scooping the poop out of the hole. Can we get back on track? And Can that we... was the day yes. Daniel became a pooper scooper. <laughs> oh, I was a He's pooper scooper. He's the sweetest long pooper that. scooper. <laughs> That's right. I was out there with a smile. Okay, back to Bob. You know, you talk about crazy Bob Leonard, and you <laughs> get you get turned on to shit. Yep. So he was offered ten grand for his attempt and this really only resulted in the house filling up with natural gas and then forcing to stay the night i think they tried to replace the 
He really offered to pay his. He was only going to give his brother ten thousand, and then was going to buy a Ferrari. That yeah. leaves very little to be left over. <laughs> he wasn't going to give his brother anything. It was really, but he's so fucking stupid that his brother believed he believed he was going to get ten grand, and they replaced the thermostat to one of the old-fashioned click ones thinking that would create a spark enough to ignite the house and that didn't where did you even work. come up with this i don't know they um, were thinking about it for months they, yeah. well they investigated it and then they also knew somebody who worked at a bar who worked for the gas company and they went and asked him they had him on do you know what the name of the bar i know it wasn't the thirsty turtle <laughs> it was the guess that all the time. <laughs> I love the Thirsty Turtle. I've never been in, but I think that's the best bar name in Indiana. I do too. No, the name of the bar was the Gaslight. No. Yes. Oh, irony. Right. Irony. So it's not no too way. far from. And you can see the. It was a gas company. Gas employee, what, yeah. So probably Vectrin or. Yeah. Okay. But you can see him making the hand motions as if to describe an explosion on camera on like their security cameras he's making the like motions. what did they walk in hey hey you're for the gas company quick question for you how would you how would one say one blow up a house See, using hey. natural gas i will tell I you can, all about it i can picture it being a lot more casual than that yeah. just oh, having yeah. cavalc this guy's a professional con artist having a professional conversation bringing up his oh i yeah. I'm sure there were some drinks involved, obviously. Exactly. Hey, here's a shot of tequila. Why don't you tell me about your job? So at this point, Twat Monster Shirley has decided this is probably a bad <laughs> idea. <laughs> and she's trying to convince him that you can have my 401k, but it only had 12 grand in it and he can't buy a Ferrari with 12 grand. No. Uh, no. That's not even a good down payment. No. <laughs> so he said that's not enough. And then her quote is, I would give him anything. I was in love with him. That's all it took. Man. Yep. 401k. I I'm, love you. What do you want to blow up? But we love each other. <laughs> so, I gave you my 401k, but that's only because you're legally entitled to half of it now. You remember that. So. I didn't. Now, I, Montserrat, she didn't have a job at the time, did she? She was a terrible nurse, I think. I think we, she stole medicine from wherever yeah. she was working. I never heard if she really had well, a drug problem. Ha- haven't we all, you know, stolen stolen, from... stolen drugs from work? <laughs> Not intentionally. <laughs> wait, wait, what? <laughs> wait, what? Where do you work? What? So maybe, maybe it didn't take too much to convince someone that had no income. No, they needed the money. She was in serious. Now, wasn't debt. she? Uh, wasn't she going after a doctor, like phys- like sexually? Oh after yeah, a doctor? and they're like, but she was like, she was like the Harvey Weinstein of nurses, mm-hmm. and he's like, Madam, put your tits away. <gasps> if I had a dollar <laughs> for every time someone told you to do that, <laughs> your father may listen to this. He, he knows. will. Yeah. He knows. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, oh Okay, so then obviously we know on the tenth, then. They were at the bar. Tenth of what? November. Sorry, when this happened, the explosion. Oh, no, they were at a casino. Yeah. Oh. The the third attempt, they were at a casino for more than ten hours, just milling about. They didn't have any money because they weren't gambling. No, but it's just like we need to be seen, so a McDonald's camera isn't gonna do it. 
so we can't go and share French fries. We have to go to a casino. And they were there for 10 hours. Yeah, They should have just gone to a China buffet and just yeah. ate all day. The, I mean, and they were in the same spot. They weren't doing anything. And, you know, and they're waiting and waiting and waiting. Of course, well, that a Ch- doesn't... A China buffet, they had a fucking kick. Yeah, out. they would. <laughs> They'd be like... There, there's an episode of The Simpsons where Homer gets kicked out of a China buffet. Man. <laughs> My brother does a great impersonation of that bit. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll get him on one day. Yeah. So probably about in here, I might insert the clip of her being interviewed by news crews when everyone was pretty sure she was guilty, but she was doing her best to seem as if she was a victim as well. So that audio is pretty entertaining. So you'll hear that right about now. The people lost their life. I lost my house. Everybody lost their house. It's what? devastating, and people keep asking me questions and questions. Like, I know something. I don't know nothing. <laughs> I just left my house, and like and we always do. It feels horrible when everybody's just, like, pointing on you, like, if we did something wrong. And everybody asked me if I have enemies. There's somebody want to... <laughs> they thought I was inside the house, and they want to kill me in there. I don't know. Okay, so then later, neighbors are connecting the dots and saying, hey, we saw a suspicious white van pull in her driveway between two and three, and some men ran in and ran out real quick. So they go to Bob Leonard's house they went to and found the van full of shit. I think they took all their, like, items out. Yeah, like, if you're going to blow your house up, you have oh, to commit. Oh, yeah, they saw them. Yeah, people take them. No, they were not willing to commit. <clears throat> we're going to save the cat and save all our fancy stuff. A couple stuff. days, yeah. Like, the whole week leading up to it, I think neighbors had seen people taking stuff out of their house. Oh, mm-hmm. are they moving? <laughs> no. And Actually, well, no. usually when when I go away for the weekend, I move all of my valuables out of the house, too. Yes, and take it to a trailer park. To keep me from selling them on eBay. <laughs> so, they got rid of all you their stuff. You wouldn't dare. No. <laughs> they got rid of all their stuff and boarded their cat. They just yeah. didn't. No, it was all, and, like, they said the TVs were missing. But the remote, they left the remote control. And they dropped their daughter off with some scummy stranger. I know, it's twice. Like a, yeah, this, it was like, it was one of these some guys dude. that got convicted. It was yeah. one of these guys. No. Yeah. What the motherfucker? They didn't commit. They didn't, they just couldn't do it. They, well, we knew they're not, they're not smart yeah, enough it to do it, It was legal right? documents, photos, appliances, not appliances, electronics. Their Picasso painting. Their Picasso painting. Um. <laughs> there was a painting that was done uh it was a family portrait or something that also got removed Mm -hmm. um so shirley's selling her line of bullshit saying that the furnace was having problems we had to spend a few nights in a hotel because the house smelled like gas Uh, you know my daughter smelled it in the garage usually when our house smells like gas i want to say hey let's go let's go drop the kid off at some stranger's house, let's remove all our belongings out, let's board the dog, and let's go stay at the casino for the night. Just let the gas go. Just let it go. It's it's happened It'll already. fix itself. Yeah. And what did Mark told his friend? that The guy, yeah, this is important. There is a key witness. There is one guy that actually connects Montserrat and Mr. Mark. Mr. Duckworth. Mr. Duckworth. I don't know why I feel like it should be said that way. Mr. Duckworth. And he's an interesting fellow. I bet he has a lot of life stories. The... American Greed liked to point out that he was a former exotic dancer, kind of like myself. <laughs> yeah, that's how we really met. That's right. 
I was pulling a dollar bill off your face with my butt cheeks. <laughs> and I said, for the love of God, I want to listen to those farts for the rest of my life. <laughs> and that is how your sister received her very first third degree burn. <laughs> and a very bad bout of pink eye. Oh, Christ. <laughs> okay, so Mark has a friend that he went to and said, tsunami-like winds blew out their fire, but... It was a gas fireplace, so the gas continued to run, and that filled up the house, and then the house exploded, and I'm going to buy a Ferrari. And this guy's like, okay. Wait, wait, wait. He could have described the wind in any way, and he picked the tsunami? Mm-hmm. Yep. I probably would have come with, like, a hurricane. Nope. Tsunami like, like winds. Yes. <laughs> okay. Tsunami winds are known to travel up, up. from the Gulf and just keep going. Yeah, it's the El Nino, isn't it? Yeah, right. something. It was it was lake effect wind from Lake Michigan. There, that mm. makes more sense. You know, um, the balls were really blowing out at Wrigley. <laughs> That's the. Oh wait, it was November. I guess they don't count. No. Okay, so we finally get to where the prosecutors are ready to charge them. It took a while before they were actually like arrested. Um, and everyone is kind of, all of us are like, why aren't they arrested? Like, yesterday, folks, we all know they did this. I remember them having all the different meetings every so often. The prosecutor was updating everybody from the neighborhood. She did, uh, I have heard, uh, that the deputy prosecutor was Denise Robinson. She did a, an amazing job of informing everyone and trying to help us understand the process. It was like 200 people. Yeah. And she, we really were the first to know yeah. everything. And... So she did a really good job. And it took, it was years. And actually, when this happened, my first thought was, these people are not going to be convicted for at least four years. Like, I knew this that trials take forever. Yeah, the vast amount of evidence, all the sorting and sifting and testimonies. And oh boy, and testimonies. Were, you, were you damn close to being right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm always actually. right. <laughs> so the prosecutors, they filed charges that they filled their 28,000 square foot home with natural gas and they had 63,000 in credit card debt and that Mark had recently lost 10 grand in the casino about three weeks before. Um, so they were charged. Montserrat Shirley, Mark Leonard, and Bob Leonard were initially charged with conspiracy to commit arson, 45 counts of arson, and two counts of felony murder in the deaths of Dion and Jennifer Longworth. So this is where they were eligible for the death penalty they were, but the prosecutor didn't believe that a jury would buy it because, like we said, they didn't they, set out to murder this couple. They had no intention of killing anyone. No. So but like we said, they succeeded in their mission like 110%. Yeah. So it's like... Uh, I'd say more than it. Yeah. Yeah. So even though they did kill him, they weren't. They are were never going to try him for the death penalty. And what date did they charge him? I know it, it was, was right, right before, before Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, it was right that before was, Christmas. I remember uh, watching that at work in the waiting room. That yeah. I was sitting there waiting because I knew that obviously they had told everyone in the neighborhood that they were charging. Yeah, I was like, they don't get to spend Christmas with those families. Those fuckers better be in Marion County. Oh, the Marion County Hilton. Yeah. <laughs> so, I do remember that. One of the finest hotels no. in all the land. No, of Indianapolis. <laughs> That's a shit. You don't, don't get arrested in Marion County. Pick any other county. Oh, I don't know. Hendricks County's pretty fucking rough. Yeah, but not as crowded, I would think. How about we just not get arrested? <laughs> that too. We're just trying to give helpful advice, Carl. Oh, okay. So, Montserrat Shirley gets a fancy-ass lawyer that's well-known here, 
So she gets a fancy lawyer and she's, you know, not admitting guilt. Like we're all going to trial here. They obviously can't afford lawyers. It's just defense attorneys. Except public defenders. Yeah. Public defenders for the boys. Yeah. Indianapolis finest defense attorney for her. Yeah. If you're in trouble in Indiana, this is the guy you call. It was her cousin or something. Her from, brother. From, her brother, I believe, was a chemist back in Puerto Rico and flipped the bill. That was always the, the brains story of I the heard. family. Yeah, but I mean, this her attorney defended when Mike Tyson was charged with rape in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Yep, I think it would just uh, be... Tony Tony Stewart. Mm-hmm. His legal battles with uh, well, among others. I think it says something when you so when you hire someone you, you know. Yep. If, yeah. So if you commit a crime in Indiana. You want to get off? You can buy it. (laughs) (laughs) That's how it works, though. So in December of 2014, so two years later, the prosecutor, they're going forward with no cooperating witnesses. Everyone is like, no, we're not admitting any guilt. Until she finally says to the counsel, you better come up with something or we're, we're going to trial and we're seeking life without parole. You know, the next week she rolls over and is like, I don't want to spend my life in prison. So I'll tell you everything I know. Yeah, which I think. Two years later, what was she doing for two years? Oh, she was sitting in the Marion County Hilton. Oh. See, that's the other thing is if you commit a crime and you haven't been sentenced yet, then you stay in county jails. You stay in jail, you don't go to prison. Jails are not as comfy as prison is. I know this. She would know. (laughs) And then still the prosecutor met with all the neighbors and made sure we understood the deal that she was getting. And we still didn't know how much time she would get. I wrote a letter to the judge pretending to be mom about yeah. how, you know, her behavior justified a longer sentence in prison. Than, cause her she behavior and the things that happened to us. Mm-hmm. She could have walked with time served by the time this was all over. But because of that, they were able to prosecute those people. So they had two under witnesses lined up to testify. Mom testified victim testimony yes in her defense and they couldn't obviously they couldn't have it around home because it it just everybody knew oh they moved it it got moved to south bend all of them they got moved but didn't it get moved again to fort wayne well each individual trial had to be some hers didn't because it because she was making a deal and bob's got south bend and fort i think bob was fort wayne yeah bob was fort wayne but then the best part the part that came up later, and we're like, this can't get any better, is that oh, yeah. behind bars in March 28, 2013, Mark is charged with conspiring to murder the key witness. Who was the key witness? Mr. Duckworth. Mr. Duckworth. So Leonard got another inmate in the Marion County Hilton and said, I need to be put in contact with a hitman. And the inmate Leonard drew up a contract agreeing that Leonard would pay the inmate $15,000 when released. With where? With where? I don't know. He, like, he, that dumb shit was still convinced he was going to get that insurance money. It just don't work like that. That Picasso painting <laughs> was still coming his way. Yeah. You took everything out, but you didn't take the Picasso out. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, middle class families living in the suburbs, a lot of them own Picasso. valuable art such as Picasso. Yeah, our art. We have a Monet. Well, is that what they call it? Yeah, <laughs> we don't have it insured or anything, though. No. <laughs> so the affidavit stated that Mark placed a phone call, a phone call from jail to anyone, <laughs> any living soul, is recorded. 
It's just like, record it. They record it. And like, then they even listen. if you didn't know, if you watch TV, you would know. Yeah. I, 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 for the life of me, have no idea how he did not know that that phone call was going to be like, I have rights, damn it. They won't record uh, this. They, they don't have the right to record my phone call without telling me. He'd been arrested before. He'd been in and out of jail. Well, maybe he never had to make a phone call out before. <laughs> He's he, never made a phone call before. He didn't know. So he got in touch with someone from a Southside biker gang. Then if that doesn't instill fear in your heart, I don't know what will. I didn't even know we had gangs. No, not a biker <laughs> gang. But it really, he was... Not, not like that. No, we were speaking... He was talking uh, with an ATF is. agent. So so it was An ATF agent that he called Jay. I've got that clip too. And that's a good one. Because it just... He sounds so fucking stupid. <sighs> so I'll put that in like right here. Hello, this is a prepaid call from... Mark for Jay. An inmate at the Marion County Jail. What does it make it look like? Yeah, because if, see, this way, it, it'll get me out of jail pretty much instantly. If you, if you have me call 911, like, from the, uh, the cell phone, right yeah. before you do it, and right, I got three sentences that I wrote down, that if you just have me say these three sentences inside that 911 call right before, it'll get me out of here quick. I want him to say, I did not mean to frame Mark and Muncie for their own house in Richmond Hills. Oh, for real? Yeah, dude, because this is going to make a big difference right here, and it's a little bit tougher yep. to get done, you know, so. Yeah, man, I'm going to get it done, then, for sure. All right. I mean, it ain't going to be no problem. How soon do you think you're going to get out, though? Well, if you do it that way right there, I would say yeah. no longer than a few days. All right. August 15th, 2015. Mark Ray Leonard is sentenced to two consecutive life terms without parole, plus an additional 75 years on 53 counts, including murder, arson, and insurance fraud in South Bend, Indiana. I was fucking happy. I, yep. It was actually like a really good feeling. It's just, And then his brother, seven months later, got the same thing, pretty much. I think he got 70 plus years instead of 75 in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Gary Thompson... He was the guy who pissed backwards on him. I don't know. These, I, I mix these two guys up. Probably. Uh, no. Gary Thompson was the first two unsuccessful attempts to blow up her house. He pled He pled guilty. These two idiots yeah. were the smarter of the two idiots. Mm-hmm. Well, the yeah, Gary Thompson was the guy, I believe, who went to the house or was going and then said he got pulled over. Yeah. So he wussed out. Yeah. <laughs> Right, yeah. We'll stop from blowing up someone's house. So he was sentenced to 20 years, though. And then Glenn Holtz, who knew about the scheme and babysat. He he was the babysitter. Yep, which is the creepiest fucking thing ever. Yeah. God, and he's a creepy fucker, too. And they just left their kid with him. Yeah. Oh, you know, just because you conspire with somebody to blow up a house. You can only... They were trying to set a small fire does not make you a creep. You can only conspire (laughs) stuff like that if it is a college project. You were at a university. I swear my Google search history is, it doesn't mean anything. Nope. It's for a (laughs) class. He was only sentenced to three years, though, because he pled guilty. Um, And then, December 20th, 2016. The Queen Bee. The Queen Bee, twat monster herself, was after two days of sentencing hearing, and this is where mom testified, um, and all the neighbors got to come in and watch her cry. 
Montserrat Shirley was sentenced to a maximum term of 50 years in the Indiana women's prison. Yay! Woo-hoo. With good behavior, uh, her earliest possible release date is December 19th, 2032. She will be 72 years old. But I'm sure she still knows how to start a fire at that age. Yes. Bitch can rot. At best, she will serve 20 years for bringing the wrong guy home from the bar. This all started. It all started at Crazy Town. Okay. So I wanted to say a couple last things about Dion and Jennifer because they were really good people. And, you know, I feel like there aren't as many great people that you get to hear about in the world that are like this. I don't know. I feel like no one would say all these wonderful things about us. <laughs> they would. I would. But if you went, I was probably going with you. Yeah. Dion was an audio engineer at Indie Audio Labs, and Jennifer was a teacher at a local elementary school for the past 12 years. Dion loved to garden and even knew the Latin names of the flowers in their yard. While Jennifer knitted hats and scarves for all of her students, which really breaks my heart. Like, they, all those kids lost they, their teacher. I'm, I guarantee any kid that had her absolutely adored her. Mm-hmm. Um, they met at Montgomery Ward's department store while they were working their way through college. Which is adorable. Yes. They got married in 2001 at St. Barnabas Church, the same church that was where their funeral was held, which is awful. Um, and Dion really likes sunflowers. It was in her bouquet and his boutonniere in their picture. I learned that when I was researching them. He was big into gardening. Yep. He had a huge garden in the backyard. And I was looking to see if there, because at one point they said that a pear or an apple tree survived the blast, but I didn't see anything when I was there the other day. So, but yeah. so Two really, really good people that didn't deserve any of this. No. And I think, like I said, his dad talks about it the most. Um. We'll post some show notes. American Greed, I think it's season 11, episode 17. His dad is on that. It's a really good episode. Yeah, and it's well done. Mm-hmm. Our neighborhood doesn't look like trash. And it, it did feel good to to get the verdicts back. I mean, yeah, I mean, the only things that really hurt for us was just, like, our home. And homes can be replaced. There are 33 houses that were demolished because of this, but you just can't replace a life. No. So, I think that covers our first case. Yeah, so tragedy and the Indy 500, the two things that bring us together. God. It's true. Yeah. How many people come to the 500? Uh, 350,000 plus the, the world's Single-day largest sporting event. So, another thing we're known for. That's right. And I think everyone should contact us. Tell them how. Yes, you should. You should. uh, Why are they contacting us? Well, you know, we... This is a social media thing. We need content. (laughs) Oh, contact us. We don't want any other bad things to happen to us. We hope this is the the only one. But if you have something that happened to you, you should contact us. Go ahead and follow us on uh, Twitter and Instagram. It's at Who's Your Homicide. Um, we also have a Facebook, so you can find us on there too and like us. I don't know. Write to us. We have a, uh, an email, Who's Your Homicide at, at gmail.com. Like I said, um, we feel you. Yep. We've been there. Else? No. 
You do. You got that face. You got that look on your face. No, it was something you said and something popped into my head. <laughs> was it highly inappropriate? It was highly inappropriate. <laughs> and then I would have to, I'd have to explain a story <laughs> that you probably don't want me to explain here. Let's, let's leave it at that. You save it for a later date. I'll tell you guys as soon as you, you quit. Thanks for hearing us Honestly. out. And for honest to goodness, stay out of the corn.